In a world where one man makes it his mission to get people's minds into that growth state, a state where their minds are literally growing and expanding past a point of previous belief. Michael Ostro in That Growth State. Hey, 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 thank you for tuning in to episode two of That Growth State. Today we'll be sitting down with Rob Krechak. He is going to talk about social media and how it can play a role in causing anxiety and depression in us and how we can actually use text as a tool rather than a detriment. Let's take a listen. Hey, hey, this is Michael Ostro, and today I have an awesome guest who is going to talk about using tech as a tool and rather than, uh, you know, spending so much time in your tech that we get all these notifications all day, we check social media all the time, we spend tremendous amounts of time just on, on our tech. So how do we back out of spending all this time on our tech and how do we spend time best for ourselves? Um, I think in that process, we can also find better ways to uh, utilize our time, better ways to spend time with the people around us. And we're really just gonna chat uh, with our guest and find out his vision because he's spent a lot of time doing this and he's really trying to help people out and allow them to spend more of their time the way they want to than just involved in tech. So um, our guest today is Rob. Uh, and Rob, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and give us a background, actually maybe about the businesses that you had before? Yeah, well, well, first of all, thanks, Michael, for having me today. I really appreciate it, man, and I'm excited to, to be chatting with you today. Um, my background, I kind of say I have a career ADD, I guess. Uh, so I I went to school, I got majors in finance, Spanish, and management, and, but afterward, I knew that I really loved business, so I got a job as, at a Wall Street firm in Milwaukee at an investment bank. Uh, I was a sell-side equity analyst, and I covered healthcare stocks, both pharmaceutical and medical device. And then I ended up getting a CFA charter, which a lot of people in finance don't know what that is, but it's basically like an MBA, but for financial analysis. And I did that job. Uh, I was a stock analyst for five years. And then I, um, like right before I transitioned out of that role, I opened up my first business, which was an Anytime Fitness Health Club in the Milwaukee area. And then um, while I did, so I transitioned from the stock analyst job to a risk analyst job at the investment bank, and I still had my my gym. And then once the gym was profitable enough for me to leave my day job, I left and uh, traveled the world for South, went to South America, Europe, and Central America, uh, backpacking by myself, which was highly recommend that. I really liked that experience. And then I ended up opening two more Anytime Fitness Health Clubs, one in Arkansas and one in Illinois. And then I sold all three of those and opened up four You Break I Fix cell phone repair stores in uh, the Milwaukee area. So now I still have those four cell phone repair stores in Milwaukee, but I live in Denver with my fiance in DTC. Cool. So if you guys uh, can't really tell, I don't think you can, uh, not on the Facebook Live that I'm doing right now and uh, not on the podcast, obviously, but Rob's really swole. You could tell that he had a, a <laughs> bunch of gyms. <laughs> so, uh, Rob, I want to ask you one thing on, on what you just mentioned. You said that you were ended up traveling a little bit, just seeing the world, and you said you recommend that. Can, can you just say why? Why do you think you'd recommend that? Yeah, I was just talking about something about this yesterday. Um, I really think that travel for me helped me do a bunch of different things. First of all, it helped me embrace a minimalist lifestyle, which I really, really enjoy. 
I went around Europe for seven weeks by myself with a 45 liter backpack. And if you don't know how big 45 liters is, if you take like the average backpack you might use to, you know, go to the office, it's like two of those and that's it. So it wasn't like this crazy big thing. And I had like nine shirts, five pairs of underwear, one pair of jeans, two pairs of shoes, and my laptop and a few other, you know, my toiletries. And that was about it. And, you know, I, I told myself, well, if I can go around Europe for seven weeks with that few amount of things and still be fine and get along, you know, why do I need all this crap back home? Like, I don't really need all this stuff. And so now it, it sort of, it sounds sort of weird, but I kind of play like a reverse minimum, uh, a reverse materialistic game with myself. So my goal for myself is how few things can I own or have and still be happy and like do whatever it is I need to do. So like if my if my fiance wants me to buy something else, I like I resist very strongly because I just don't want more crap at home. I really don't. Um, so I think that was a huge change for my life uh, from traveling. And another thing was just to really be open minded and and not judge people and to learn to connect with people from totally different, you know, very, very diverse backgrounds. And um, on one of my trips to South America, I counted uh, in a four-week time span how many how many people I had a 15-minute conversation with or more in that time frame. And I believe, if I remember correctly, it was over 70 people in four weeks, just wherever it was random, you know, all anywhere. Um, and so, you know, I just really enjoyed talking to that many people, and I just think it helped me helps me be open to other experiences. Um, today, even, even, even in the United States and, um, you know, just want to continue to travel and see the world too. Cool. So you're saying it really opened up your mind. It helped you connect with others, really get into deep conversations with people from different cultures and then almost be minimalistic so that when you come back, you don't have to just clutter your house with all this random crap. Like you can see the things that are most important. Um, I, oh, and, and tell me if I'm wrong or not, cause I, I have this in my life a lot where I really don't want to get like really nice expensive things that I don't really like care about too much because if it gets damaged or something, I know that it's going to like freak me out and like, why do I really need that item? I only have a few things that I really, really care about. And one of them is like this laptop, you know, <laughs> so yeah. that I can make sure that I'm doing all my work and like, uh, like my car. But other than that, I really try not to have uh, that many things that I just like uh, have cluttered around. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the thing that I think of is, you know, what, like, so when you're traveling abroad, when I was abroad, you realize how much marketing information is being pushed to you all the time in the United States. It's constant. It's like, it's on your phone. It's on the, you know, it's on billboards, it's everywhere. And I don't necessarily think those things are bad, but honestly, the more and more marketing you're exposed to, the, the more you want to buy stuff. It's just simple, yeah. you know? So like, for instance, in my email, I've eliminated every kind of uh, newsletter or notification or marketing email possible. Like if a company signs me up for one, I immediately unsubscribe, even if I want to buy that thing, because I know that if you send me a coupon for 20% off, I'm probably going to want to buy something. So yeah, I know, I know that that sounds maybe a little weird. Another thing that is people might find interesting is I have not owned personally owned a TV since 2008. Wow. And I have not, um, I have not had internet or excuse me, I've not had uh, cable TV since like 05 or something. So I just, and, and when I go back to my parents' house back home and they're watching regular TV, it is like jarring to me all the, <laughs> all the ridiculous commercials that they're yeah. watching. Cause I literally don't, I just don't do that. I don't watch those things. I think it is crazy that there are still TV commercials. There are these new programs like 
Hulu um, or other other programs that people are watching and they see commercials and the commercials are supposed to be geared towards them. And sometimes they're very repetitive, but they're still, they just like look just like TV commercials. And I'm like, I can't believe people are still being like constantly shown this information. Yeah. And it's just to me, and I don't know, I, when you watch an hour long show in about 22 minutes as commercials or, or what is it, 18 minutes or something, it's like, wow, this is just a lot of my life that I'm wasting watching commercials. But the other thing is, I, I, there's a study done by Nielsen, um, the, the media company. And in 2018, they measured how many hours a day people spend consuming media, which includes radio, TV, and anything online. And it's almost 11 hours a day. An average person? An average person in the United States spends almost 11 hours a day consuming media. Now, even if you take out radio, which is an, about an hour and 45 minutes a day, it's still about nine hours a day we're looking at a screen of some sort between TV and phones and computers. Nine hours a day. That's the average person, too. So imagine those people that are outliers. They might be 14, 15, 16 hours a day, 17 hours a day. That's crazy. And it has to do something with all the notifications like the phones want us to look at them like they're they're the software is created to make it easier for us to use but then for us to know that we're getting a notification or a ding from someone but that also gets us that little rush to make us look at our phones yeah and you know a lot of people make the comparison between well tv hasn't ruined our lives why is why would technology do that but technology and especially cell phone is a completely different animal from tv because your tv doesn't follow you around in your pocket and turn on every single time that the programmer the tv programmer wants you to watch something whereas that's what exactly what your phone is doing so i i think that and and the the makers of phone operating systems as well as social media use uh use variable rewards just like slot machines do and just like gambling does to entice people to continue to use their products and their and their platforms and that to me is super scary because again you're you're carrying that around with you all the time there's nothing else that we have that's on us all the time. A TV doesn't do that. We don't carry our laptops around like that all the time. It's just, it's a totally different paradigm that we're living in right now. So since we are living in this paradigm, um, what are some downfalls that can happen to us because we have this in our pocket all the time? Yeah, so it's interesting. Just a month ago, I, I, um, I saw this study and it was a meta-analysis of 42 different studies that are evaluating technology use and mental health. So it's a very, that's very, very, you know, good research or good type of research to be looking at for these types of things. And in those 42 studies, they did show that there's a link between technology use and depression, technology use and anxiety, um, and a couple other things that were pretty negative and, and just overall associated with general negative, uh, like poor well-being if you use technology excessively. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't you shouldn't ever use it or you can't use it. But but the thing is, is a lot of people, for a lot of people, it's really difficult to have some sort of self-imposed limit, right? Like, Cause it's like, first of all, you don't even know how long you're on your phone. Most people, if 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 you enable screen time on iOS or digital well-being on Android phones, it will tell you how many hours a day or how many minutes a day you use each platform. And it also tells you which applications you use. I, if you go and enable that now and you look at that, you will, you will not believe it. Even me who tries to limit my use, I still was using my phone about three hours a day. 
Um, now, a good amount of that is phone calls, but even still, even if you take away the phone calls, it's still probably over an hour just doing whatever, you know, browsing the web or things that, you know, seem to be productive, but ultimately they really aren't. So let's say the anxiety and depression, does that really relate to social media? Because I know there's an aspect where people are looking at social media, everyone's just posting the best parts of their lives and not posting all the downs and ups and and, and you know, the, the various different segments of their life, they're just posting all the positive things. So on someone on the other end that's sitting there in their bed, with their, holding their phone up before it drops on their face, they're scrolling through <laughs> and just seeing everything good in everyone's life, and maybe their life isn't going so good. Is that the point that causes anxiety, depression? Is that just one of them? Are there other things? Yeah, so it's interesting. I went to a seminar given by a psychologist who has treated technology addiction, um, like very specifically for the last three years in Boulder. And her talk was fascinating. And one thing that I learned is that the most, uh, so of the things that we have that are digital right now, today, so far, video games are the most addictive. And it's because similar to what we was, what I was just talking about with social media, there's variable rewards like, hey, you get this power up at a certain time or, but the other thing, which is even more addicting with video games is that it's very social. You know, everything is team-based or a lot of things are team-based where even if, the, even if they're not, you're playing against other people and you know, you develop these social relationships. Well, obviously social media is even more social than that. That's the entire purpose of social media. And so I asked the presenter, I said, well, hey, don't you think that social media has the potential to be even more addicting than video games because it's purely social? And she said, absolutely like this, you know, and, and I think if we don't leave this uh, on, if we leave this unchecked going forward, I think that, you know, we are not, we don't even fully appreciate right now how, how bad social media can be for people. And I, I think social media is one of those things where 20 years from now, people are going to look at it like smoking. They're going to think, why on earth did we let our kids spend four hours a day on this? Like, or what, you know, just like people used to think that smoking was great. And now everybody knows smoking cigarettes is, is very bad for you. Uh, I think that it's just going to take a very long time for people, for there to be enough data and for us to realize how bad this is. But I've talked to so many parents just with anecdotal stories where they're like, yeah, my kid stays up till three in the morning on his phone, Snapchatting, and I can't get him to stop. And this, but I've heard this same scenario over and over and over with many different, you know, variations of the story. But I, and, and so I know that this is a problem and, and I'm really trying to do something to, to try to solve it. Okay, cool. So there's like the, uh, the set of spectrum where we are in the most connected, most social age ever is what they're saying. So mm. before, if you wanted to be social, you can go outside and um, go knock on your friend's doors, which is great. But if you didn't have any friends, you just go throw a ball against the wall or throw it up or just do something. So now we're just so social all the time being connected with everyone messaging constantly. Do you think that social uh, aspect where they're communicating with everyone constantly could be a negative, uh, uh, a negative thing for them to be doing? Or do you think it's the fact that they're just mindlessly absorbing all this content? Could it be a mixture? Yeah. So, and sorry, I should have, I could have answered your last question a little bit better, but I'll, I'll tie that into what you just said. And I'm going to nerd out a little bit on some of the sciencey stuff, but hopefully, um, you know, makes sense. So what, what I think is happening today based on everything that I've read is when we log on to social media, 
what we're doing is we are activating a certain portion of our brain that a, a long time ago used to be for like, let's say a fight or flight type scenario, like, hey, you're five, let's pretend it's 5,000 years ago, you're scanning the horizon for threats, or, you know, is there something that could hurt my family or my tribe, right? Like, that are that activates a different part of your brain than like you and I talking and having a good time or listening to music or other things like that. So this this so we look at social media and this system in our brain that makes us inherently anxious is activated. And what so the reason we go on social media though is when we get these likes or we see these posts that are interesting or someone comments, we get this dopamine hit. But dopamine is a short term, like a little boost of like positivity in your brain. So what's happening is you condition yourself to go on social media all the time and get these small dopamine hits over and over and over. Whereas before, um, when social media didn't exist, you might get those in other places like social interactions at the grocery store or, um, you know, whatever, or, or doing other things that would give you pleasure. So we have, so we're conditioned to have this dopamine hit from social media, but what is, what that is replacing is this, um, this, this meaningful social connection with people, just like you and I are chatting right now. And when you and I are chatting, uh, our brains release something called serotonin. And that's like a, more like a, a love or a, like a social connection type chemical. And so we're, we used to be a much more serotonin based society where we would have these genuine human connections. And we know what, like, let's say 20 years ago when cell phones didn't really exist, you know, we would just be chatting like this and, you know, it releases all this serotonin. Now, all these people are looking, instead of doing, getting these serotonin based interactions, they're doing all these dopamine based interactions, but that only satisfies them for a very short term. And so now they have to go back and get more dopamine interactions and more and more and more. And it just becomes this perpetuous cycle. And, uh, you know, to be, to be vulnerable, I felt like I was in that place like three or four years ago as well with social media. I was sitting there and I was at stoplights checking Facebook and I was in the elevator checking Facebook. And it's like, what the hell am I doing this for? I mean, this is silly. Like I don't, yeah. it's not like Facebook's gonna, you know, I don't need to be checking Facebook all the time. So to be honest, there's sometimes where I'm sitting in the car as a red light and I just think, what am I doing? Why don't I pull up my phone and check Instagram? Right. I'll be honest, there's sometimes where I actually do pull up my phone. Um, so what you're saying there is, we get these hits, uh, these dopamine hits, uh, these good feeling hits from doing the social media. So we're seeking that. But in the past, we could have started out like in the grocery store, we could sort out a conversation with just a random stranger. And right. now that we're getting these hits on our phone all the time and on the social media, we're just not engaging in conversations anymore. So right. So that, let, yeah, let, let me do a better job of tying that together. So now instead of you having to, you know, get some pleasure out of a, a true social in-person human interaction, you can just whip out your phone at any point in time and avoid all the in-person interactions you want because you can get a short-term hit from your phone, which to me is sad. And and I'm sure you've all seen the, 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 the people at a dinner table, like at a restaurant where there's four people in a booth and every single person has their phone out. I mean, that probably happens more than, I mean, I've observed that a lot. Yeah. I don't know if other people do, but... And I, and I look at that and I say to myself, like, I never want that to be me. I don't care how great our technology is. I don't care how much I like my phone. I just never want that to be me because I just don't feel like that's a good, it's just not a good way to go about being in the world. Yeah, I agree. And one, one quick example that I have of the social media and also the grocery store example. I'm not going to say her name, but a, a roommate I had a long time ago, 
she was in the grocery store. She ended up coming back home and, and told me, she's like, man, I saw this guy in the grocery store. It was right next to me. Um, he was so cute. And I just, I wish he was on Tinder. <laughs> that just blew my mind instantly. I was like, he was right next to you. You could have said something. You could have talked to him. Yeah. Uh, blew my mind. It just goes to show you how like people are getting so involved in not only just all the social media apps, but even the whole dating world is going like, I'm not going to chat with someone because there's too much. There's not. I'm not seeking this dopamine rush. I'm not seeking this benefit of chatting with someone in person. Maybe I'll meet someone online. Well, and it's interesting you bring that up because I feel like it, I observe this with kids coming into my store, and that's kind of how I uh, how I got involved with this entire you know technology addiction scene. Is I had a kid come into my store with his mom, and let's say the kid was I'm just guessing 14 years old. And so he comes in with his mom and the mom is like literally shoving him up to the to the front of the counter to talk to me. And she says, hey, you know, Johnny, you need to tell this man what happened with your phone. And, you know, the kid had such a difficult time having a conversation like we are and he couldn't really explain it. And I and I felt really bad for the kid. And I, I'm like, well, maybe he has a developmental disability or something. I'm not sure. But I did my best to help him out. And, you know, the transaction went fine. And, you know, I, but it just stuck out of my mind. And so. I started paying attention and the more I paid attention, the more that I realized that this situation didn't happen with just this kid. This was happening so many times and it wasn't that this many, you know, tons of kids have some dis developmental disability. It's just that that's how kids are today. And so I realized in that moment that cell phones are literally changing the fabric of our society and how we interact. And it's not in a good way, in my opinion. And I, you know, I really want to change that because I, I think that if we're not conscious of that and if we don't make an, a concerted effort to try to do something differently, you know, I think that it, our, it deteriorates our relationships. And I, and, I, and I think that that's sad, you know. Cool. So let's say there's people that are uh, listening to this uh, right now and they feel that they spend too much time on social media. Maybe they wake up in the morning, the very first thing they do is check social media, and then 20 minutes later, they're like, oh wait, I have to do something. Let's just say someone listening wants to make some difference and not do so much social media. What can they do or what tools can they use at the moment as quick tips? Yeah, so I guess the first thing that I would ask yourself is why? Why are you on social media so much? Why do you like it? Is it because you're curious about other people? Is it because you're bored? Is it because you you love posting crap? Is it because you just want to see what other people are doing? But like really think deeply about why you're on there first because I, I think once you realize why, like for me, I started thinking about it and I'm like, I'm just doing it because I'm bored. And, and that's not really a good reason. Like would you, would you go gambling every 30 seconds if you're bored? No, you wouldn't do that. But that's essentially the, the mental equivalent of, of what you're doing when you go on social media all the time because you're bored. And so once you figure out why you're doing it, um, a, a couple things. So the, the a lot of people don't realize that a good practical limit for the amount of time that you could spend on social media a day is an hour maximum. And this has actually been backed up with a study that showed that any amount of time over an hour per day does meet, lead to worse mental health and greater depression and greater anxiety. So keep in mind an hour a day is the maximum. I personally, for myself, what I've done now is I, I um, have set up limits on either screen time uh, on iOS or on the di digital well-being setting in Android. I allow myself 15 minutes a day for Instagram. That's it. And I usually look at it once at the end of the day. 
I usually try to knock one in the middle of the day because then I go down this rabbit hole. And so 15 minutes, that's it. And honestly, I even now I'm I'm experimenting with other things or less time. But the best, I think the best thing that you could do, and let's even say you just do it for a week, okay? I know it's I know you think it's gonna be crazy, but my my top recommendation would be to just delete all social media apps off your phone for a week, delete them entirely, and just see how you interact differently with your phone. As an experiment, I deleted social media for three months uh, a couple years ago, and it completely changed how I used my phone because I realized that I was just going on there and instinctively hitting Facebook and just instinctively going on there for no good reason. And so once I deleted social media, off my phone for three months, I came back and I was like, oh my God, what is all this crap on Facebook that I'm looking at? This is garbage. And so I don't use Facebook much at all anymore. I still have an active account, but I I would go on, I go on once a week at most, even on the desktop and I don't go on at all on my phone. So I think that's a absolutely great challenge you just said to delete the apps. I think a lot of people would find that extremely, extremely difficult, especially for the length of time. So it could be possible um, to start with maybe a weekend, maybe a weekend, delete the apps. Um, do you think, do you think, uh, do you think someone could delete the apps? Do you think there's like, a, is there any way to do it easier to limit their function before they do that step? Like as to, to hit those small wins? Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> I really think it just depends on your mental discipline and how, you know, how badly you want to change because my, I guess if you, if you like use social media all the time and you want to try to not use it and you think it's gonna be super difficult, I would recommend first setting a limit of an hour, let's say for one week. And then the next week go down to 30 minutes. And then the next week go down to 15 minutes. And then the next week delete them completely for a week. That to me would be a pretty reasonable, you know, way to, to wean yourself off. But I'm kind of more of a, let's just get this shit done. Yeah, cold turkey. Yeah, like I'm just, let's just do it. But the thing that was most interesting is, you know, you, you, it, it helps you understand better how much more or how you use your phone for social media when you completely delete the app, because it was, it was just like, I (laughs) a day after I deleted it, I was instinctively opening my phone and going to the place where my, where the app was to hit it. It was gone. And I'm like, I'm just doing that automatically. And that to me was very scary because it's like, my phone has freaking conditioned me as a human being to just go in there and do something over and over mindlessly. Do I want to be controlled like that? Hell no. That's I don't want to be controlled by a device like that. And so I just decided that I'm I'm not I'm going to limit the use a ton going forward because I don't I just feel like that's unhealthy to be controlled by a little rectangle in your pocket. I think that's great. I think if anyone feels that they're in that same kind of mental space and they want to just delete the apps for a little bit. Go ahead, delete the apps. Maybe if you want, post on them. Like if you're constantly posting on them, post on them and say, hey family, I'll be back in a while, gonna try something and I'm gonna delete this app just for a little bit and delete it. See how you are for a weekend, see how you are for a week. And if you feel great after that, maybe down the road, it, you know, whether it's like Rob and three months later, download them back and then limit your time to 15 minutes. I think it's absolutely great what you did because it, it really can allow your mental space to open up because when Tom. you, like I, I know there are mornings where I wake up in the morning, 20, and a lot of my friends tell me that they do this, 20 or 30 minutes start on Instagram before they even move out of bed. <laughs> like that gets your mind, I think, started in such a negative mental space Yeah. right before 
you know, you go out and do your work for the day. I think you really need to start your day on the right foot rather than starting it just with other people's agenda all day. Mm-hmm. And and I could, could have said this earlier, but w- the reason why we get depressed on social media is because we are looking at everyone else's highlight reel and then comparing it to our everyday life. You know, some of these influencers, they might spend four hours getting a good shot, one picture for Instagram. So think about that. They literally spend half of their day work day doing something to make you think that they look impressive. And now you're thinking about that in comparing it to you sitting on the couch at home, you know, getting ready for work. Well, of course you're going to feel crappy, you know, and, and, but at the same time, we like social media because it's so, it's so interesting to see what other people are doing. Like we like learning about other people or knowing what other people do as a survival mechanism because 5,000 years ago, we needed to know what people in other tribes or other people in our tribe were doing so that we could survive. Um, so that we, you know, we knew if there was famine coming or if somebody had hunted food and killed it, you know, we needed to know that information so that, you know, it's hardwired into us to want to know what other people are doing. Yeah, I truly believe that. And um, I want to ask you uh, one more thing, Rob, because I've really enjoyed the conversation. First of all, for, this isn't the last thing I'm going to ask you. How do you pronounce your last name? Krechak. Krechak. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't look like it sounds. <laughs> it looks it looks like Krechak, and I was like, no, I'm not going to say it in the beginning because I don't want to mess it up. But Kre- Krechak. Krechak. Yeah. So Rob Krechak. So um, Rob, please tell us um, if anyone is interested more in chatting with you or learning more from you. How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, um, honestly, I try to funnel all everything just through my email because the more platforms you have, the more things you're trying to manage. So if you can email me, uh, my email address is ra and then my last name, which is k-r-e-c-a-k at gmail.com. One more time, that's r-a-k-r-e-c-a-k at gmail.com. I'd love to chat with you and, you know, help you understand how you're using your technology better and, you know, hopefully help you uh, spend less time on your technology so that you can do the things that matter most in life, like, you know, connect with other people or do things that you're passionate about, like hobbies or, you know, get better things like that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rob. I hope you guys really liked um, hearing about lessening up your use of tech so that you can spend more time doing the things that you absolutely want to do. Feel free to reach out to Rob. I'll also put that email in the notes below and have a good rest of your day. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to episode two of That Growth State. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Rob. Feel free to reach out to him if you're interested in continuing that conversation with him at all. As well, next week, we're going to have some awesome stuff. We're actually going to have Rob uh, back on again. He's going to just give us tools and tips that we can use in order to help us use tech uh, to our benefits rather than to our detriment. So that'll be really interesting as well. Please like, subscribe, and follow this channel. Thanks.